0: Welcome back to 30-something with Sunny. This is the podcast where we talk all about motherhood, self-care, and second chapters. Today's guest was on last week. She had so much good information that I had to split this episode into two. So many of you wonderful, amazing people who listen to this podcast submitted really specific and really interesting questions to Dr. Jones. I put the call out on Instagram um, right before I recorded, and we had so many that I decided it should be its own episode. And the the, the topics we cover are really, really varied here which is why i wanted to give this episode its own space to breathe in this one in particular again if you submitted a a specific question it's in here if you didn't here are just a few of the topics we're going to cover pms symptoms pcos adrenal fatigue um, heavy bleeding early menopause hair loss uh, hormone issues associated with pcos hormone pellets, MTHFR, all this stuff and more. So again, if you took time to submit a question, thank you so much. We're gonna get to very specific answers with Dr. Carrie Jones, and I'll be back on the flip side to let you know where you can follow her to get more good info. Again, this is hormone expert and integrative doctor, Dr. Carrie Jones. We are going to transition into reader questions. We got so many, so I really want to, um, yeah, let's do it guys. This is going to be a little bit of a lightning round. Um, thank you so much. By the way, if you sent in a question because, um, you know, this podcast is here to serve you. And I know there are so many women out there who are experiencing the same things and have the same questions. So um, Dr. Jones, thank you for answering them. We're going to kick right off. And like I said, we've got quite a few to get to. So give us your best shot without, you know, (laughs) without us being here for another two hours. Okay. So the first question is why are, are our PMS symptoms so much worse after having kids?
1: Um. Usually because it's a rearrangement of the brain to ovary communication. It's not as um, like strong and robust as it used to be because you took a pause to have, you know, to be pregnant and then you delivered the baby. And then if it never gets back online again, especially because raising babies are, I mean, like they're wonderful, but they're also super stressful and it affects our sleep and it affects our energy and all this stuff. And so. Lots of women are like, ever since children, I feel worse. I'm like, I know that communication never quite, quite got back online again. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why it's important. like delivering the baby. Like we talked about before to do all the testing panels and yes. to really talk with your doctor.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. And I find before, after the baby, like most women... Um, we move into this nurturing other people mode and we forget to nurture ourselves. Mm-hmm. before babies. We, we spent a lot, it was just right. Like maybe us and our partner. And so we didn't have to exert a whole lot of nurturing to other people. And we could nurture ourselves and take time for ourselves and go see our friends and, you know, sit down and read a book. And, and, and it's, and then after babies, like you can't even go to the bathroom without like the kids and your husband or your partner and the dog, like all trying to get your attention. It's insane. You're like, I'm, I'm I mean, to poop, like, yeah, <laughs> there's there's no
0: secrets in our house I mean, right, just, exactly. that's the mild way to put it we're just all very familiar but <laughs> i i guess that's a typical parenting thing right, exactly. um okay this one is interesting to me um because so many women do this what is the real truth on birth control is it safe to take for extended periods of time as we've been told by doctors the reference i'm assuming is to hormonal birth control
1: So there's a really wonderful book, and I don't know, I apologize, I don't know if you've had her on your podcast or not, but it's um, um, Dr. Jolene Brighton's book, uh, Beyond the Pill, and it is a wonderful resource for women to answer all those questions, because I am not against the pill, Dr. Brighton is not against the pill, I would say most practitioner friends of mine, we're not against the pill, When you need it, you need it, you know, like if you, If that's the only option for you, if it's the best option for you, but I want women to be eyes open. When you use the birth control pill, there are increased risks you need to know about. There are nutrients the birth control pill depletes. You should probably go on a multivitamin and a B vitamin. It might affect long-term things like your blood sugar, insulin interaction, your intestinal health, your, you know, cardiovascular risk, potentially cancer risk. Mm. Like you just need to be eyes wide open. What drives me nuts is when women go on the pill and they get zero information. They're told blanketly it's safe, you're fine, and then fast forward 5, 10, 15 years and they are struggling when they come off and nobody told them. Uh, It's crazy. I I mean- it's I cannot tell you how many stories I've
0: heard from women, whether they've had children or not, who have experienced either that crash when they get off or yes. when they get on. And it's 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 maddening because, you know, something's up, but everybody's telling you it's fine. And you're yeah, like, trust like, it's me, that's
1: not the pill. And I'm like, it's it's not your decision to make. If I if a woman comes to me and wants the birth control pill and I tell her every single thing about it or she reads the book and she goes, got it. I'm eyes wide open. I'm willing to mm-hmm. take the risk. I will go on a multivitamin and a B vitamin. Um, and I still want to be on the pill. Then I'm like, okay, I'll prescribe it for you. Like, you know, the risks, let's go forward. Totally cool. And other women are like, absolutely freaky. Not, I have all this family risk history. I already have some of these symptoms. I'm already struggling with some of these things. Why would I go on the pill and make it worse? I'm like, great. Let's find something else.
0: I love that. That's a, you do you approach, but an informed approach, which is good. Informed. Okay. What about this one? What's the difference between a natural hormone protocol versus one based on synthetics? (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. So synthetic hormones don't look like the hormones in your body. So when you go in the birth control pill, the estrogen and the progesterone in them are not estrogen and progesterone. They're fake estrogen and a synthetic progestin, progesterone called a progestin. They're, they they do not look like what's in your body, but they can, like I said earlier, they can still act like the key that turns the receptor and opens the door, right? So it they can still do a lot of effects in your body. A natural or bioidentical progesterone approach is a hormone that looks like the hormone in your body. So if you take a DHEA supplement, it's going to look just like the DHEA in your body. If you take a progesterone cream or a progesterone pill and it's real actual progesterone, it's going to mimic, be just like, look like, identify with the progesterone in your body. So that's the difference. Now I will get asked, is one safer than the other? Or I will get told, oh, I heard bioidentical has zero risks. Nope. It still has risks. Hmm. (laughs) You can still get side effects with DHEA supplementation. You can still have side effects with progesterone. You can still have side effects with, with estrogen. Um, they're just less. So I, I I guess would be the easiest like rapid fire way to say less. So, but absolutely. I have women that are like, I took natural progesterone and it made me water retention and depressed. I'm like, yep that can be a side effect. If you take too much, it's not perfect. Right.
0: So for the woman asking if bioidenticals and the estrogen patch are safe, that's your answer for that.
1: Yeah. So the estrogen patch is bioidentical. So like the the perimenopausal or menopausal woman who's on the estrogen patch, that is a bioidentical estrogen. There's still
0: risk, like you said, though, just maybe slightly, slightly lowered.
1: Okay. Correct. Okay.
0: Interesting. Okay. (laughs) For women not interested in being on hormone based birth control, what is the next best option? (laughs) Abstinence coming from the woman with a surprise baby. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, What do you suggest though? Because people are hesitant to get back on the pill after kids. I've found.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of women will choose the IUD. Um, there are pros and cons to both of the IUDs. There's the hormonal IUD called the Marina and then it's sisters are called the Skyla. um, Um, or the kylina, and then there's the copper IUD. And so, again, it's informed consent for women Mm -hmm. when I'm talking to them about them. It's it's not as... it's not as much as the birth control pill and it's not something you have to swallow. You know, it it gets inserted, but there are definitely still risks that go with that. And if they're like, well, I don't want anything in me and I don't want any hormones. and That sounds awful. What can I do then? I'm like, well, then your options are um, abstinence, which isn't fun um, or (laughs) using barrier. So maybe trying condoms. Um, A lot of women get into, um, Rhythm method, right? So they start tracking their yes. ovulation signs and their ovulation symptoms, and when they are fertile, and avoiding intercourse during that time to try to prevent becoming pregnant. Right. That's, but you have to be on your game you if you are going to use the rhythm method. That's that's
0: exactly how we had our third. I was like, listen, yeah. honey, I have my cycle down to a science. I know, and I I, I had the most regular cycle ever. It's just exactly. like, I don't, this child wanted to be in the world. So anyway, be warned ladies, <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be really diligent with that one.
1: <laughs> I am, the, I've decided when I am the goddess of the universe. Oh, actually I, just, I don't want to be the goddess of the whole universe, just of women's health. So when I'm the goddess of women's health, I'm going to make some changes. Um, I, One of them being birth control. Like if we could just have a switch, yes, I want to get pregnant or no, I don't Ugh. like, boom. Like how easy would that oh be? Oh my
0: gosh, how much stress would be saved? How much healthier we would feel? No oh my kidding. gosh. As soon as you invent that, I'm going to have you back on the podcast. <laughs> nope.
1: Okay. World, I have a weight. So. Yeah,
0: love it. <laughs> All right. Okay. How about this question? Can diet help balance hormones when you're in perimenopause? And if so, what do you suggest?
1: Yes and no. So, um, absolutely. If you are, if you're eating a crap diet, if you are having high carb, high sugar, high caffeine, you know, you skip meals and then you binge eat, that's a hundred percent going to affect your perimenopause. So if you clean all that up, I definitely have women that are like, I went from, you know, the worst standard American diet to this organic high vegetable, you know, good protein fats, lots of water. I cut back on my caffeine. I cut back on my alcohol significantly. And I feel amazing. I'm like, yeah, because you went from the worst of the worst, just mm-hmm. so much better. If you are already the woman, though, who's like, I eat a organic vegetable-based diet with lots of protein and you know healthy fats and blah 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 blah, and my perimenopausal symptoms are terrible. There's not usually not a lot of tweaking. Like mm-hmm. it's going to require some extra steps, some some supplement stuff, and and, and, and maybe even hormones, depending on the woman. So it really kind of depends where you're at.
0: Okay. Um, How about this? I I got a lot of, actually, several questions in different forms about this. Is adrenal fatigue real? This woman (laughs) says, I went to my doctor, and he said it's not a real thing.
1: So the concept of adrenal fatigue is that the adrenals actually give out like the ovaries give out in menopause or just stop producing. If you have Addison's disease, Addison's is the autoimmune disease that affects your actual adrenal glands, then you will not make cortisol, and they do give out. So, but what you can have is a much bigger issue. What we call it now is HPA or hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction. And it actually starts in the brain because the adrenals um, are just little soldiers and they do what they're told from the brain. So if you're not making cortisol, not because you have Addison's, but just because life, um, it's not that the adrenals are being defiant and shutting down. It's because the brain is not getting the communication there. So the symptoms of adrenal fatigue are very real. You are fatigued, absolutely. But we need to look higher at the brain and that's Mm -hmm. what I tell people. It's real in concept in that you're tired and it's real that the adrenals are affected, but it's a much bigger endocrine issue that we absolutely can address,
0: yes. Perfect. Is there anything that will reverse melasma? Literally anything at all, all caps, anything. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know what, I'll be honest, melasma is not my area of expertise. Not okay. my area. It's heavily affected by estrogen, so a lot of my patients who get their estrogen dialed in do notice their melasma um works or er, it works. Um is significantly improves. But um that's probably better asked to somebody who's okay. more like hormone dermatology. Got it. Okay, the next question I feel like we address, but if there's any I'll-
0: other sort of things you want to throw in, what's the best birth control for postpartum that won't totally whack out your hormones?
1: I would say the most common, um, would probably be the, uh, pick an IUD. The most common would be pick an IUD because postpartum, you really don't have the mental capacity to be, um, doing the rhythm method and Mm -hmm. postpartum. If you're breastfeeding, you don't know when your cycle is going to come. You don't know when you're going to ovulate because breastfeeding affects that. And what women forget is that when you're breastfeeding, you don't necessarily feel yourself ovulate before you get your period. So everyone has the friend who got pregnant while she's breastfeeding and couldn't figure out why. Remember you ovulate first and then you get your period. So what had happened is that your friend had sex at ovulation, didn't realize it, and then and then found out she was pregnant. Mm. So usually my my postpartum women will get an IUD. They do come with mm-hmm. risks, they can absolutely have side effects, but it's, it's often what they choose because they don't have, you know, they're tired. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they just pushed out a baby and they don't want to have to think about like yeah. cycle, yeah. you know, the rhythm method. Yes. <laughs>
0: Too much to think about. All right, All right. Next question. How do I know if I'm imbalanced if my labs come back fine?
1: Oh, but they're not fine. That's the <laughs> other interesting thing is that when we look at lab ranges, we know lab ranges are really quite big. For example, there's a, um, one of the iron markers is called ferritin, and the range is like 10 to 200. So if you're at 11, you're in range. And mm. if you're at 199, you're in range. And that drives me nuts. So it's important to know ranges matter, and it's important to know that when you were in your cycle that you got tested. So if you got your estrogen or progesterone tested at the wrong part of your cycle, then it it it. it it doesn't mean much. And so definitely when you, if you need to find a hormone literate practitioner who can identify these for you and help you better dial it in. Perfect. You know, you're not fine. You don't feel fine.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to what we said. I, we could do a whole podcast about this, a woman trusting her intuition when it comes to her health. And I, you hit, you hit it right on the head when you started off the interview with that, because I think so much of this is guided by how we feel and only we know how we feel. Right.
1: Right. And sometimes you have to dive deeper. Maybe the, maybe the markers they did run were fine. Maybe they ran what's called a CBC, a complete blood count and a metabolic panel on you and they were fine. And, but that doesn't tell me very anything about your hormones. It Mm -hmm. doesn't tell me anything about your thyroid. It doesn't tell me anything about a lot of stuff that you've got going on. So maybe it's just what they chose to run on you we're superficial and not right. great. Okay, next question is, it's kinda long. I'm
0: super interested in hearing about abnormal period bleeding. My doctor stuck me on the pill to help me with mine. I was bleeding through the heaviest tampons and pads in 10 to 15 minutes for 12 hours. To say sure. it drains me is an understatement. I was on the pill for a little over a year and just got off because I can't take it anymore. Where would you point this lady?
1: So it could be a couple of reasons for bleeding. So with, with bleeding, is it, um, first of all, I'm sure she did, but make sure you get an ultrasound because fibroids and polyps grow. They're, they're easy to grow sadly, and they bleed really easily. They're very Hmm. delicate. So any little bump and they bleed. So make sure you've got nothing growing in there that will cause you to bleed like crazy. Number two, make sure you don't have a bleeding disorder. A lot of women that I had who had periods that heavy, turns out they had a bleeding disorder and nobody checked them for it. Once they figured out they had a bleeding disorder, they could get that addressed. Number three is make sure you don't have other disorders that will cause heavy bleeding. Hypothyroidism will cause heavy bleeding. Being anemic will cause heavy bleeding. And then heavy bleeding causes you to be anemic. So it's Hmm. just like crappy cycle that goes round and round. And then number four If you don't have the right balance of estrogen and progesterone effect on the inside of your uterus, what's called the endometrium, then you're going to be more prone to bleeding, um, especially like clots, heavy bleeding, long periods, stuff like that. So I'm generally doing those four things for women when I'm trying to figure out why they have such heavy bleeding.
0: Interesting. Um, Okay. What natural remedies work for early menopause?
1: Ooh, early menopause. Okay. So early menopause is generally, is often, not always, often hereditary. So ask your, ask your mom, ask your older sisters, ask your, your aunts and grandma, like what age did they go through menopause? There are some things that can push you into early menopause, some autoimmune, some chemical exposures. They're even linking some like, um, uh, like infections that can affect the ovaries, Um, any kind of blood flow like if you've had a lot of abdominal surgeries um, that restrict the blood flow to the ovaries, then you could be pushed into early menopause. There was a study on smoking. The, the tar and the chemicals in smoker in smoking will gum up the works and can push women into an, maybe an earlier menopause. But if you have none of that, if you're like, nope, 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 that's none of me. I've never had surgery. I don't smoke. I don't understand what's going on. Um, then unfortunately, there's no necessarily magic pill or magic herb to stop it. But what we might find is that, that there's other influence on it. For example, like if we can get your gut cleaned up, if we can get the blood flow to your ovaries improved with like acupuncture and abdominal work um, and, you know, any, anything in the belly area to help improve that castor oil packs. Um, if we can look at your um, other markers, such as there's one called FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. Um, if we can look at your estrogen and progesterone throughout your cycle. So for example, Many saliva companies, including um, Dutch Test, you can test your cycle, all, you test your hormones every day. It's, it's very easy to do and get an idea of what your up and down look like. We look at your thyroid. We look at some of these other markers that may be influencing why are you going into to early menopause. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So it's comprehensive. It's not like, oh, here, take ashwagandha. Sure.
0: <laughs> I did just buy my first ashwagandha supplement, though. But you know, look, I'm at, just... me. look at me. I'm a medical professional, I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Little do you know, Dr. Jones is going to be emailing you forever now. Just kidding. I will not take advantage of our professional relationship. Um, Okay, this next woman says "Um, My PCP, my primary care physician, currently treats my hypothyroidism. Is that okay, or should I see an endocrinologist?
1: Oh, no, you can absolutely see your PCP. Absolutely. If you feel like your PCP, if you're doing good, you're feeling good, your labs are looking good. Um, Yeah, of course. You don't have to see an endocrinologist.
0: Great. I've had three separate week-long periods in seven weeks, heavy bleeding too. What could it be?
1: Oh, well, it could be a million. If this is new, and it depends on your age, if you're perimenopausal, um, which tends to start in your 40s, then it could be a part of perimenopause. But go back to... What I said about the woman who has really heavy periods, you, all those things, you want to make sure you don't have fibroids and polyps, you want to make sure you don't have, a, you know, a bleeding disorder that's a you want to make, you want to look at your estrogen and progesterone, you want to evaluate your thyroid, you want to evaluate your iron, um, you want to just make, sh- make sure you're not pregnant, you know, just like, you know, just like weird things, you just want to like rule out with your practitioner.
0: Got it. Okay. This, we sort of covered, but if we want to do it in super, like super quick succession, what supplements are a must for women?
1: So the basic, the really good basics are like fish oil, vitamin D, probiotic, um, like a multivitamin, or like a multivitamin with if you need extra B vitamins. Those are kind of like just generally safe across the board. Eh, oh, excuse me, in magnesium. But I'm assuming mm-hmm. there's probably magnesium in your multi if you've got a good quality multi. So those are just kind of like general across the board, pretty safe standard. Mm-hmm. Most women are not taking them. Most women um women probably are struggling to need those in, in some regard. Um, and those are just really good basics, got which it. I know it sounds like a lot. I mean, I've had women like, oh, that's four. I'm like, I know, but... Hmm. Unfortunately our 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 soil is depleted and you know we're not eating as healthy as we used to and our digestion is not as good as it used to be and and we just sometimes need a little extra supplemental support. Absolutely. All right, next question is I've lost a
0: ton of hair over the last few years and can't seem to get it back. This is oh. af- after kids. Is this hormones?
1: Definitely could be. It could definitely be thyroid, it can be iron, it can be cortisol and adrenaline. It could be estrogen progesterone imbalance, it could be testosterone DHEA imbalance. Um, it could be all of those things I have um, just learned i didn't I didn't know this but um, if you add a drop of organic uh, extra virgin castor oil to your shampoo so when you put shampoo in your hand mm-hmm. add in a drop of of a little of castor oil and rub it through your scalp, it can be really, really helpful at trying to get your hair follicles to grow back.
0: Interesting. So that's the main recommendation you have for reversing that in addition, of course, to getting your labs and everything tested.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because it's not going to fix your thyroid. It's not going to fix, you know, if that's what it is, it's not going to fix if it's autoimmune, it's not going to fix if it's, you know, I don't know testosterone you know too too much testosterone or what have you but it might help support the actual hair follicles themselves right there's a few other hair follicle support things like pumpkin seed oil and peppermint so i do know people who will mix um Uh, like peppermint essential oil. So make sure you get a good quality one. Um, Peppermint essential oil with some pumpkin seed oil with some castor oil, which sounds kind of like a mess, but they'll do it as a mask. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll like smear it all over their scalp and they'll massage it in really well and leave it on for 15, 20 minutes and then rinse it out. Um, And I have anecdotally, had patients tell me that that has helped their hair follicles quite a bit.
0: Great. Okay. Next question is, we're we're getting toward the end here. So thank you for your patience here. Um, I have a mild case of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. What can I do to help with the hormones involved in this diagnosis?
1: So it depends what is going on. There are, I believe now there, we generally categorize PCOS into four categories. Is it an insulin related PCOS, meaning you have high insulin and that's causing the hormone imbalance? Is it an adrenal-based PCOS because um, your part of your testosterone and your DHEA comes out of your adrenal glands? Is it a inflammatory or infectious PCOS that's driving up driving the hormones to be crazy? Um, and is it a post birth control uh, induced PCOS? And so we have to figure out the why before I can address the how.
0: Got it. So she really needs to dive deep and get those answers and then kind of Correct. go down the path. Got it. Okay. Correct. Uh, yep. Next question. With acupuncture, I don't get much PMS symptoms, but there are a few days during that time frame where I am crazy and needy. Yes, sister, me too. How can we avoid <laughs> these irrational emotions?
1: So the, the like sort of crazy and needy can definitely be, um, low progesterone, high estrogen. Cause like I was saying earlier, low progesterone makes us more anxious. Um, high estrogen can make us more depressed and so I liked and believe it or not I like to use uh, magnesium of course mm-hmm. um, a lot in the PMS time I also like to use the vitamin B's or your B vitamins especially your vitamin b6 can be really helpful because it can help your body make the brain hormones and it can help with hormone balance there are a plethora of herbs to consider but I don't know which one to suggest until I know what, what the hormones look right.
0: like. Okay. Three more questions. Yeah. We're getting so close. How do you stabilize cortisol levels?
1: Oh, that's a really great question. The, so cortisol, um, is what they, what they call it's traditionally known as a glucocorticosteroid. steroid gluco because it manages glucose first and foremost cortico because it's made in the cortex of the adrenals and steroid because it's a steroid hormone. So if you take the first part of its word glucose, If you can't get your blood sugar under control, you will never fix your cortisol, ever, ever, ever. So I tell women and men, if you want to address your your cortisol, you have to make sure you're addressing your blood sugar, either what you eat, how you eat, how often you eat, you know, the types of foods you're eating, carbs and sugar, caffeine, the stimulatory um, stuff, then that will all affect your blood sugar. Then... Cortisol works on a circadian rhythm. That means it's high in the morning to get your butt out of bed and low at night so your butt can go to bed. If you are not following that pattern in a healthy way, then you're going to have cortisol issues. So sleep, darkness at night, wear the blue light blocking glasses, get off your phones is like the number two recommendation I make after blood sugar balance because you want that darkness at night to induce melatonin so you can get proper sleep and that way you wake up feeling refreshed and restored and you start all over again
0: back to basics i love it back
1: to basics and it doesn't cost any money so i'm like deal with your diet right nutrition and then and then at night make sure it's it's dimmer lights you know off your screens or get the blue light blocking glasses and the thing i see with moms all the time is they put their kids to bed and then they stay up because it's the only peace and quiet they get. Oh, it's <laughs> and true. They do, right. And they like do laundry and they pay bills and they answer emails or they run their business. And then they, they're like, okay, it's midnight. I'm ready for bed, but I can't wind down. I'm like, yeah, no joke. You just like did all the things from eight to midnight and we, we have to put some things into mm-hmm. place to stop that or slow that down or to alter that to support you because, it's no wonder you can't sleep.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Second to last question. What are your thoughts on biote pellets for post hysterectomy ladies due to endo? And are there other options?
1: Yes. So the pellets are little pellets of hormone, um, that are injected kind of in your back hip area, your buttock area, upper buttock area, and they stay in for three to four months, depending on how fast you metabolize the, the, the pellets. So, um, I never did pellets in practice. I never got trained. And, um, the women who love pellets, love them, like absolutely love them. I had, I had a woman who told me it's like her little battery pack. She put her <laughs> pellet in and she was like, she was like all wound up and ready to go. But I, in my practice ended up dealing with women who hated the pellet because once the pellet's in, it's in and you can't really, you can't get it out. And all we can do is manage the symptoms for three to four months until it it wears out. So if you're going to do pellets, make sure you just go in, eyes wide open, and make sure you talk to your doctor about if I get these symptoms, side effects, what are you going to do? What what can we do to help mitigate it so it's not a miserable three to four months? But remember, if it works, it's going to work amazingly well. And you don't have to think about it. It's it's in your hip. They're tiny, teeny tiny. You'll never feel them. Right. It's They're in your hip and you're done. But the other options are tons. There's patches there's, there's pills, there's like little sublingual, like kind of like candies that you suck on. There's topical, there are vaginal creams. And these are all, all of these are bioidentical. They're identical to your own hormones. So post hysterectomy, you have a huge amount of options, which now sounds overwhelming, but it also depends on what's going on with the woman and, and what her needs are that I will choose. Like, Hey, a pellet might make work, might work for you or, wow, oral progesterone might be better for you because oral progesterone helps the most with sleep and anxiety. Or wow, vaginal hormones, sounds like maybe you want that because you're experiencing a lot of vaginal dryness and pain with sex. And so it really kind of, I just match the symptom, you know, to the person, Mm -hmm. to
0: what they might need. Okay. The final question is about MTHFR, which, I I know what it sounds like. I don't know what it stands for. I know I have this as well, but um, this person is asking how that can impact overall hormone health.
1: So it depends how severe your MTHFR is. So MTHFR is the enzyme that helps you with folate, um, Assimilation in your body, and so if you and in folate is really really important uh, is a, it's important nutrient for all sorts of things in relation to hormone metabolism and brain metabolism and energy production and all this stuff. The MTHFR mutation, it's a it's a it's a SNP an a SNP SNP that maybe um, wasn't goes kind of goes awry. So what they found is that a lot a lot of people have MTHFR, a lot, but it just sort of depends on if you have it minorly or severely. If you have it minorly, you may notice nothing. You may get diagnosed with MTH, or diagnosed, you may get told you have it, but all your hormones look pretty good, no issue, you feel pretty good if you manage your sleep and your stress and your diet. Others of you, it's been life-changing. You figured out you had MTHFR, maybe you're taking supplemental support um, to help your, what's called methylation to help your methylation. And it's affected all of your hormones and you now feel amazing. So I don't recommend that women run out and buy folate or run out and buy, um, what's known as methyl B12 right off the bat, because you could end up feeling worse. It might give you more anxiety. It might make you feel more crazy, but I would recommend that if you have MTHFR, that you work with your practitioner to see, first of all, is it affecting your hormones? Because if it's not, then don't rock the boat. Like it's fine. And if it is, then it can help you determine. They can help you determine, like specifically, what you need to do for your hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, as an example, MTHFR is a small part of estrogen detoxification, and what's known as methylation. And so when I'm lo- but estrogen detoxification is huge. It's a, It's this huge. Path cycle pathway. It's like a big circle, and there's lots of things that move along the circle, kind of like cogs in a watch, or you know, that turn a clock. And so, I don't necessarily have to jump into folate just because they have MTHFR, but I can often focus in other areas and get the cogs on the clock working much better. Um, And but sometimes I need folate, and it just really depends on the person. So don't panic if you've been told you have MTHFR. You're not you're not going to die. Well, you're going to die, but we're all going to (laughs) die. It's not just like not a now disease that's right. gonna kill you right and just know there's varying degrees of it
0: right dr jones you have been just so gracious to give us so much of your time <laughs> i if i could give you a hug through the microphone i would um thank you so much i would love if you took the opportunity to tell us all where we can find more of you because your wisdom is real um where can we follow you and do you have any big projects coming up
1: Absolutely. So, you, I'm big on Instagram. That's where I live because I am a visual person. So, my handle is at jones. Everything I do on Instagram is free education. I'm not trying to sell programs or anything like that. So, please follow. It's all hormones. All the time i do a lot <laughs> of series a lot of basics a lot of just like educate you to feel so you're empowered to go talk to your practitioner about it um if you want to learn more about dutch test you can go to DutchTest.com. all of my webinars podcasts including this one uh videos are free you don't have to be a practitioner or a doctor you can totally just click the link and start learning about hormones if that's something that you want to do well this has been
0: fascinating. I, I'm literally going to hang up this call and go buy a Dutch test. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Seriously. I'm like, oh my gosh, if, the, if there is a voluntary test to be taken, I am all over it but but I love it. I love what you're you're doing. You're really I mean in the fact that so much of what everything that you're putting out there is free and accessible to people. You're really empowering women. So, uh, you know, we just we appreciate it. And the outpouring of questions that I got in a 12-hour period was testament to how much knowledge is needed in this arena. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just I'm again, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Well, thank
1: you thank you so much for having me on because I feel like just the more this information can get out there through like you and what you do, it's what women need. Absolutely.
0: Dr. Carrie Jones, thank you again for your time, and we will catch up with you at some other point. That sounds wonderful. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm so grateful that you took time to submit a question. If you're a new listener to 30-something, welcome. We've got an amazing community of really, really cool people that listen. And if you've been here for a while, I just want to let you know I'm really grateful for you. Um, I was just so pleasantly surprised to get the outpouring of questions for Dr. Jones when I put the call out on Instagram so truly from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for listening to this show we're going to grow this little community in 2020 I know it I can feel it it's going to be a great year and I am going to be here serving you guys with great information and great interviews to help make your life a little bit easier a little more fun so definitely come back for more goodness next week don't forget to subscribe rate and review I would be tremendously grateful for that and again thank you for listening follow dr Carrie jones at dr Carrie jones on instagram and follow me at sunny abatta again thanks for listening and i will see you guys next week